1: the world or anything in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. It doesn't last. It's a lie. It's a lie. It doesn't last. It's a fleeting, fleeting lying glory. And That's why Paul writes in Romans, I consider that our present sufferings aren't even worth comparing with the glory that'll be revealed in
0: us. You can find a lot in this world, and the world tends to push you to fulfilling your desires here. Strive for fame or fortune or social status, but guess what? Those things, they won't last. Someday you'll be standing before God, and those things won't get you into heaven. Pastor Danny will be encouraging you today to remember where your eternal home is. It's in heaven with Jesus. You can give your life to Christ and follow him each day, and you'll find more fulfillment than you could ever imagine. Now here's Pastor Danny in the Book of Matthew, Chapter 4, with today's edition of The Living Word.
1: Verse three, the tempter came to him and he said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And it would have been nothing for Jesus to say, stone, be bread, and the stones would become bread. And he could have satisfied his excruciating hunger. What does he do? Jesus answered, verse four, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. There's my hero. There's my hero. Whoa, what a savior. Oh, what a man. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. Now Satan uses the word of God to tempt Jesus. He'll command his angels concerning you, and they'll lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. What's this appealing to? It's appeal to his pride. Hey, do something glorious, you know. Call attention to yourself because, hey, you the man. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. We learned last week, Satan had the right to give him the kingdoms of the world because he is now the prince of this world. We forfeited our right of dominion. Jesus gained it back, even though we won't experience until his second coming. So Satan could have given him the world. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Hip, hip, array for my Savior, Jesus Christ. Man. Now, I believe that this wasn't the total temptation in the wilderness. It lasted longer because he fasted for 40 days. All right, But we have three recorded for us. Why just these three? Because every temptation falls under one of these categories. Every sin falls under one of these categories. Uh, The first, the hunger, that's your physical appetite, your appetite to satisfy some physical desire, some physical hunger. It's called the lust of the flesh. The second is an appeal to your person, your pride. you the man. Go ahead. Gain some glory. The third is called the lust of the eyes. It's looking and seeing, oh, if I just could live there, if I could just could have that, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And every single temptation falls under one of those categories. Now, different circumstances, God, uh, Satan uses different people and all different scenarios, but every single temptation is under one of those categories, appealing to my pride, appealing to the lust of my eyes, or appealing to the lust of my flesh. Jesus was victorious over all those three, and he shows me the way, shows me the way, shows me the way to victory. What's the way? I have to be willing, I have to be willing to suffer. That's the only path because he's our example. He's the author and perfecter, and he says, now, you want to be my disciple, deny yourself. Take up your cross daily, daily, and follow me, follow me. Boy, there's so many on this. Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's one day when we'll be changed. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Did you hear how practical that is? Did you hear that? In other words, if I persevere, say no, and willing to suffer, I grow in character. I mature. And because I mature, I realize I really can, if I follow Jesus, live in victory in this cursed world. I really can. Peter learned this, 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, and as you're finding it, listen carefully. In my devotional reading yesterday morning in the New Testament, I was in Matthew's gospel chapter 26, and Jesus has told his disciples, uh, they will all fall away, and they all say, no, we won't. Peter says, Lord, they might, but I never will. I'll die with you. And then Jesus says to Peter, "Peter, this very night, before the cock crows, you'll three times, three times you'll deny that you even know me." And Peter again said emphatically, "Never happen, Lord, I will die with you." And of course, we know uh, Jesus arrested, they all scatter, Jesus standing before the Supreme Court, Peter's looking from a distance, warming himself at the fire. Somebody sees him and says, "Hey, you're one of his disciples." He said, Not me, you've got the wrong guy. A little while later, another. Servant girl sees him and says, oh, no, you're, you're one of I can tell by the way you talk, your accent. You're one of his followers, not me, and he curses. Third time, he begins calling down curses upon himself. I mean, he's he got the, the mouth of a sailor now, <laughs> trying to prove he's not a follower of Jesus Christ. And then the cock crows. One gospel writer tells us when the cock crows, Jesus turned and looked, and eyeball to eyeball, Peter looked at his Savior. You know what it says after that? He went out and he wept bitterly, tears of repentance. You realize how he had failed after just hours before saying, no, even if all these guys fail, I never will. I'll die with you. And he failed. Thank God for grace and mercy. And that's what Jesus showed him there after the resurrection on that beach. And remember, Jesus said, hey, Peter, when you were young, you dressed where you you want to dress. You went where you wanted to go, Peter, when you're old. They're going to lead you where you don't want to go and dress you in a way you don't want to be dressed. told him how he's going to die. He's going to be crucified like his Lord. And then Jesus said, follow me. Follow me. Peter learned his lesson. He learned his lesson. And he writes about it right here. He became a different man. 1 Peter chapter 4, listen to what Peter says. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. Wow, what's he talking about? He's not talking about sinless perfection. He's talking about maturity. He's talking about once you, once you put your body on the altar and once you start, stop playing around this Christianity stuff and once you get serious about it, that's when you'll begin to live in victory. That's when you'll begin to have victory. You won't be up and down and failing and saying, I'll never do it again. You go do it again. And you're back at church, but you're not really mature, and you're not going to be mature because you haven't really laid your life on the line. You haven't really put your body on the altar. And it's, God, you take my hands. You take my feet. You take my mouth. You take my life. Peter learned. And he says, he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires but rather for the will of God. That's the focus of your life now. For you've spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, loose living, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, detestable idolatry. They think it's strange you don't plunge with them in the same flood of dissipation. You don't, hang out, they don't hang, you don't hang out with them anymore. And they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. You, you got serious about it. You stopped just playing church. And play in Christianity, and you put your life on the line. And that's what Jesus said. You want to be my disciple? Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Suffering is the only path to maturity. Galatians chapter 5, and listen to what it says. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, so I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They're in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. It's a life of self-denial. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I beat my body, I make it my slave, so that after I preach to others, I myself would not become a castaway. It was a daily thing. He said, I die daily, daily. The Christian life is a life of discipline, self-control, and as you mature in that, you live in victory. Now, look, for some of us, it's a sexual sin. For some of us, it's a hostess Twinkie. And I don't know what area it is, but listen, listen, listen. The Christian life, we ought to be examples to the world. And if you can't say no to the hostess Twinkie, how are you going to say no to the hostess? You can't say no to the hostess twinkie high in the world. You're going to look away from the low blouse and the short skirt. Come on. It's a life of self-discipline, learning to control your body in a way that's holy and honorable. Now, I'm going to say one more, and then we're going to move on. Look, Look, listen. People who are not willing to suffer remain immature, and people who remain immature end up in bondage, in bondage. That's why you're never living in victory. That's why you're giving in to the sexual sin again. That's why you're giving in to the hostess Twinkie again. That's why you're not living in victory because you're not willing to suffer. Jesus said in John 8, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Peter said in 2 Peter 2, 19, a man is a slave to whatever has mastered him. A lot of verses I could give you. Let me give you one more. 1 Corinthians 6.12, in your Bible, it probably has quotations where Paul says, everything is permissible for me. Quotations. Why is it in quotations? Because he's quoting something that the Corinthians were saying. If you know anything about the Corinthian church, they were full of self. They were carnal. They were immature. And they were saying, well, everything's permissible for me. That's the equivalent of what I said in the introduction. I know God will forgive me. We live by grace, right? It's grace. And so I know it's wrong, but he'll forgive me. They said, everything's permissible for me because I'm under grace. But then Paul adds, but I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. Suffering, self-denial, taking up a daily cross. Peter came to the point, he finally said, you know what? I don't care. I will die. I will die. I'll say no to myself. And you find Peter standing before that same Supreme Court in Acts chapter 5. And he's leading the other apostles now. It says, Peter and the apostles said to them when they said, don't you teach anymore in this name. And they said, Peter and them, Peter took the lead. You judge them whether it's right for us to obey you or obey God. And then they had them beaten, flogged. You know what it says after after they flogged them? It says the apostles left the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court, rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name. That's a different Peter. That's a Peter with his life on the altar saying, okay, I'm not going to be wishy-washy anymore. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to be willing to suffer. And that's the example he left us. Fix your thoughts on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He blazed the trail. Second thing in his example, here's the example he left us. He had his head in the clouds. That's where he came from. He came from glory. And so he knows what glory's like. And because he knows what glory's like, he said to the Father just before the cross, Father, restore me now with the glory I had with you before the world began. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He's blazed the trail, he knew it was worth it. He knew it was worth it. Everything he said no to in this world, everything he said no to in the temptation there in the wilderness, everything, he knew it was worth it because he knew he was going home where he came from. And folks, that's where our home is. It's not here. It's not here. Don't love the world or anything in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him for everything in the world. The lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. The world and its desires pass away. It doesn't last. It's a lie. It's a lie. (laughs) It doesn't last. It's a fleeting, fleeting lying glory. And that's why Paul writes in Romans, I consider that our present sufferings aren't even worth comparing. (laughs) with the glory that will be revealed in us. Colossians says, set your mind and your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, that's where your life is. Jesus stood before Pilate. Pilate said, don't you realize I have the power to crucify you or set you free? He said, you'd have no power over me unless it were given to you from heaven. He says to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. My kingdom is not of this world. Third, in the example, how did he answer every temptation? He said, it is written. It is written. It is written. Boy, if he needed the word of God to deal with Satan, I sure do. There are two words in the Bible for word. One is logos. Logos means the word, the entirety. Genesis to Revelation, this is the logos of God. But there's a second word. And the word for when Jesus responded to the tempter in every temptation, it's also that word in Ephesians where it talks about taking the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. It's not the word logos. It's an interesting word. It's the word rhema, rhema, rhema. The difference in rhema is uh, rhema comes from logos, but rhema is a personal word for me. For the moment I need it. And I always like to say, the more sword you got in your sheet, the more weapon you got in your hand. Listen, if all you're getting of the Word of God is a loud mouth like me for 45 to 50 minutes, no wonder you're not living in victory. I needed the Word of God for me, not to come and raise my voice and speak to you, you know. I needed the Word for me, me. And tomorrow I need it. And Tuesday I need it. And Wednesday I need it because every day has enough evil. Give us this day our daily bread. Listen, if we're going to live in victory, we've got to saturate our lives with the Word of God. You've got to saturate your life with the Word. Willingness to suffer, heavenly mindset, the Word of God, and not just the Logos, but from the Logos, the rhema. And then fourth, in his example, he showed us how to walk in sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. This is another mysterious thing that he was led by the Spirit, He walked in the Spirit. Matthew 4 that we read earlier, you know what happens just before Matthew 4? You know the event just before Matthew 4? Jesus in the Jordan being baptized, identifying with death, burial, and resurrection, and then the Holy Spirit comes and lights on him in the form of a dove. And then after the Spirit comes upon him, it says the Spirit led him in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Tempted by the devil, tested by God. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 8 God says, I I led the Israelites and I caused them to hunger and to thirst. Those are tough times. Those are times of testing. In order to know what was in their hearts, so that they might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Wow. The whole of chapter 3 and 4 is about that. It goes back to the Israelites wandering in the wilderness and the Holy Spirit and the Word of God trying to get them to. Grab a hold to the word of God, respond correctly, and listen to the spirit. And three times, verse 7 of chapter 3, so as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Verse uh, 15, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Chapter 4, verse 7, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Then it goes on to say, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrates the dividing soul and spirit, joints and mirror, judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything's uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of whom to whom we must give an account. And what he's saying there after starting out in chapter 3 saying, fix your thoughts on Jesus, and then the rest is don't be like those guys that wandered for 40 years in the desert and never listened to the Holy Spirit and never responded correctly to the Word of God, and so they never, ever matured. And I wrote down for me, and I pass on to you, what they were like. Here's what it is. Rather than trusting God, persevering through tough times, they grumbled, they complained, they were unsubmissive to authority that God placed over them. They never developed an appetite for the manna, the supernatural food God gave from heaven, and the manna is Christ. Instead, they repeatedly said, We got to go back to Egypt. We had it much better off there. And we ate the leeks and the onions and the food of Egypt. That's where they were before Christ delivered them. That's their fleshly cravings. And they never developed an appetite for heavenly food. And they kept going back to craving their lust when they were in bondage in Egypt. And their lives, you read the stories. Listen to me. Their lives, listen carefully. Their lives reflected Constant struggle and repeated failure. That's what their lives reflected. Constant struggle. Never really got the victory. And repeated failure. It's awful quiet in here. This is the most quiet service, so some of you really need to hear this. He gave us an example, and then he gave us the Holy Spirit. And if I walk in the Spirit, Galatians 5, I read it, I won't gratify the lust of my flesh. But if I walk in the Spirit, I don't do what I want. There's the self-denial again. There's the cross again. I'll just give you a third one, and I can't talk about it. I'm out of time. But in chapter 3, he says, verse 12, See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. I need to talk more about this, but I really don't have time. But here's just a simple question. Here's the third thing he's given us. He's given us his example. He's given us the Holy Spirit. And he's given us, listen, he's given us the body of Christ. He's given us one another. Sister, hey, sister, sister here, you sisters that call Calvary Chapel your home church. This is where you, this is where you call your home church. And you know the Lord. What other sisters in the body are you close to that they're striving to walk in the Spirit? And they, they can encourage you daily and you can encourage them. Who do you have? Hey, brother. Hey, brothers in the Lord. Brothers in the Lord, call Calvary Chapel your church. You tell me what people in the church, what are the brothers in the church that, that encourage you to really walk in the Spirit? You see, one of the worst places a Christian could be is attending a church service on a regular basis and never having close relationships with other brothers and sisters because we need one another. The Christian life was never intended to be lived in isolation. And that's why when Jesus told Peter, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. What does that mean practically speaking? You throw the wheat up, the wind blows, the chaff, and the true grain falls down together. What Jesus was saying is Satan is trying to get you away on your own out here. And that's what happened that night when he denied the Lord. We need one another, folks. We need one another. I need other brothers in my life. We all do. Brothers and sisters who can encourage us. And then finally, I'll end where we started. He gave us an example. He gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us the body of Christ. And he gave us a way to escape every time. There's no temptation taking you, but such as common to man, and God will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. What's your way of escape today? You're in that immoral relationship. What's your way of escape? Cause say no to yourself. You're living with them, you're not married. Come on. The boyfriend, the girlfriend. Guy last night came up to me after the service and said, I, I really got to tell somebody I want to be free. I'm addicted to pornography. That's the first step, your freedom. You stay in hiding, you'll never be free. You keep it covered, you'll never be free. You got to confess it. Put your life on the altar. Put your life on the altar. And begin to make some decisions. Get in fellowship. Begin to saturate your life with the Word. Come on, you know what you need to do. Now, now, real faith is doing it because faith without works is dead. And that's what Hebrews 3 and 4 talks about.
0: We're so blessed to be able to share the Word of God with you on each new edition of The Living Word. Thanks for being a part of our valued listening audience. Pastor Danny will continue his study in the book of Hebrews next time, so we hope you'll join us again. We'd like to take a moment and ask you to consider partnering with us as we continue to share the hope of salvation with the world. Would you join us in praying for the listeners of The Living Word? Pray that God would touch each person with His love and open their hearts to the truth of His Word. Please pray for us also. We want to continue following God's plan for this program no matter where He asks us to go. We know the power of prayer, and we appreciate you doing this for us. Would you also ask the Lord about contributing financially to the Living Word? This program is professionally produced to provide the best quality messages possible, so as not to distract from the message of the Bible. That does incur some costs, however, so if you feel led to give, visit our website at ccfstpete.church and click on the online giving guide under forms. Any and all amounts are greatly appreciated and will be used to share the good news of Jesus' love for the world. Thank you for praying about this. That website once more is CCfstpet.church. With that, we've come to an end of our time with you today. We pray that God continues to bless you as you study His Word and open your heart to His unending love and grace. Thanks again for tuning in today to The Living Word.